Well, it's good to see you all here tonight. Well, we'll eventually be in Habakkuk chapter 2. You say, where's that? If there's a part in your Bible that cracks when you open it, it's in that section. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2. We'll take just a minute to get there. But if you want to take that time to find your place, that would be okay. Well, despite the current circumstances as a result of the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak and the knee-jerk reaction, despite all that, we are still believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living this year. Our theme is taken from Psalm 2713. It's on the back wall if you ever forget I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And last week I preached through Psalm 27 to show how things have changed this year in relation to our theme. What we need to do now that all of this has fallen out. The answer was in the last verse of Psalm 27 where it says in verse 14 there, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. When plans change, we need to wait on the Lord. And when we wait on the Lord, we need to be of good courage, believing that he will strengthen our heart. And then that verse says we need to wait some more. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and I say, wait. (laughs) Amen. I hate waiting. It's not ideal in my mind, but I want to tell you as much as I hate waiting, I hate fainting even more. I would rather wait than quit. I thought about last week's message and I was reminded of the chorus from the song, Stand Still. Stand still and let God move. Standing still is hard to do. When you feel you have reached the end, He'll make a way for you. Stand still and let God move. It may be hard sometimes to wait, but it also may be the right thing sometimes to wait. After last Sunday night's message, I got to talking with Karen Williams. She had written down some things when she was supposed to be paying attention to the preaching. And as any good preacher will do, they'll take notes during, they'll write their sermons during the preaching. And sister, if I could find a way biblically to get you up here, I would. She wrote this down. I asked her to send it to me because I wanted you to, to hear it. And I thought it was really good. Here's what she wrote. Efforts are not slowed when we are forced to focus on God. Now, that in and of itself is enough to park it and preach. Efforts are not slowed when we are forced to focus on God. When God's work comes to a halt in our lives, it's because God wants us to focus on Him and not the work. God is making sure that He is more important to us than the work He has called us to. God's work can and will be done with or without us. His preeminence in our lives sometimes requires us to stop the work and refocus on who God is, what He can do, and what He will do in our lives. Our personal relationship with God is to be most important. Time is nothing to God. We may feel halted, 
but we in God's work are really in continuous motion, end quote. And sister, I want to thank you for sharing your heart with me on that. I've really been meditating on that this week. And I had every intent to kind of build a message around that, but it's just been a kind of a crazy week. And I really like those words. They're good for any time, but they're especially good for times like this. Part of God's work, one of the things I got out of that, part of God's work is God working on us. Amen. And where it seems like we're not able to do what God has called us to do, rest assured, God is still working. God is working on us. Sometimes we are forced to wait and to stand still. And during those times, we can become tempted to faint because if we're not careful, our focus will get on the situation and not on the solution. And what will keep us from fainting, according to what David penned, is believing to see. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I stated last week that I believe in our case, we can keep the same vision, understanding that through the process, our faith will be put to the test. Are we as a church body going to continue to believe to see or will we faint during the day of adversity? Will we focus more on the situation or will we turn to the solution? And remember this, great blessings will often follow times of great testing. We see that in the, in the Scriptures. And I'm probably going to get to that at some point in this series, some things that I've been meditating on there. Really, last week was a charge to the church encouraging us just to stay with it. I entitled last week's message, See the Vision Again. Let's not lose sight of what we started the year with despite the setbacks, despite all of what's taking place. Let's just remember the vision. Let's not give up hope. Let's not throw in the towel. Times have been worse than this. Well, we're in the last days. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's been worse than this. So we don't have to give up. We don't have to throw in the towel. We don't have to faint. We can stay the course. We just need to refocus. Keep going forward. Keep the vision alive. And I still believe God has greater things in store for this body of believers. I believe that. I believe God has something great for Liberty Baptist Tabernacle in the future. If I didn't believe that, I'm not sure I'd be here because I just don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to just play church. I don't just want to come in and give you a sermon and we leave and nothing's changed. But I want to come in here and I want to know that we've met with God. And I want to know that this church is reaching Rapid City. And I want to know we're making a difference in our community. I want to know that we're making a difference where we work. That we're being a testimony. That we're being a light. That we're doing God's will. Well, if God's got all these great things in store, why all these hindrances right now? Well, as Karen expressed, God wants our attention on Him. Not on the work. Not on the programs. Now, don't misunderstand me. When we get our eyes focused on God, it will lead us to work. It has to. But understand that that's not the main thing. The main thing is being right with God. Walking with God. Sometimes we get to serving and we leave God out. 
we get to just knowing to do what we do. We've done this now for 40 years here in Rapid City. We know how to do church. So if we're not careful, we'll begin to meet and we'll leave out God in the process. And what tends to happen is churches will fall back on ceremonial observances, if I can put it that way. We'll fall back on, well, we've got to do a hymn. We've got to, do, we've got to take favorites, Brother Mike. We've, we've got to, that's between him and I. We've got to do this and do that at this time, and I've got to get up and preach, and then we've got to walk out. And we'll check the box and say, man, we had church today. Do you remember the account in 1 Samuel chapter 4 when Israel went out against the Philistines to battle? When the battle started, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army of Israel. They slew in the field about 4,000 men. Israel returns to their camp and the elders of Israel begin to ask, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Why has God let this happen? And I'll be one of the first to tell you, I've been asking that through this pandemic. Why has God allowed this to happen this way? Why is this being treated different than the other pandemics we saw in the 50s and 60s that also killed over 100,000 people and nothing changed? Why now? And I've asked that question and I've, I've wrestled with God over some of this. And, and like these elders, wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? And they wonder why in the world they would be defeated at the hands of the uncircumcised Philistines when Israel were God's people. So they come up with a plan. They come up with an idea. They come up with a program that's going to get them out of their situation. The elders say, let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. You see, they had heard the accounts of yesteryear of how God worked when the ark of the covenant had been used in the past. How God's presence was there and they figured the best thing they could do is go and get the ark, this type of God's presence, and then surely they would then be able to defeat the Philistines. They thought they had the right plan in place. They thought they had the right program. But when they went against the Philistines, guess what? They lost. And they didn't just lose. They lost big. The Bible says it was a great slaughter. They got beat down. In fact, the Bible records that 30,000 footmen were killed in that next battle. Here's what the problem was. They were trying to get God to sync up with them and their plans, their theology... When what really needs to happen is we need to sync up with God. Amen. And we live in a day of, uh, of syncretized religion. We live in a day where we think that we come up with a plan and we come up with a program and we say this is the best way ahead and this is how we know God's going to bless and then we put it in place, we go fetch the ark and then we say, okay God, it's up to you to bless. God said, I don't want anything to do with it. Because you're forgetting me. I'm not your lucky rabbit, rabbit's foot that you go and get. So they've got this plan. They go get the ark. 30,000 die, 30, die. See, there are people doing all kinds of things in the name of the Lord without it even lining up with God's Word. 
doesn't even line up with God's Word. They think somehow God has changed what He has said in His Word. And all they're trying to do really is get God to synchronize with their ideas of what God should be according to their plans and according to their theology. And what some churches will try to do, and I pray this is never us, but some think they need the latest plan, the latest program, the newest Bible version, the most modern teaching. If they can get all those things in place and make sure they get a band up here that can lead you in some kind of worship song where really you just stand there and do this. And they think if we can just get all this stuff in place, then God's going to bless And the idea is, here we are as a church, and and the thinking is, we've hit a plateau. How do we get ourselves over this plateau? I know, we'll go fetch the Ark of the Covenant. But God's not going to be in that. Because like Israel in Samuel's day, when they had something of God, they misused what they had. What they had, the world the Philistines overtook. They captured it. And if that ain't a picture of what's happening in churches in America today, I don't know what is. Because we've said this, if we do this and we get this program and we get this plan and we get this music and we get this Bible and we change this around and we operate this program, then we're going to get the world to come in here and sure enough the world comes in and what they do is they defeat the church of the living God and they end up taking over the program and the world takes over the Ark of the Covenant. But understand, in Israel, the light had already gone out in the house of the Lord. Don't worry, we're getting to Habakkuk. I told you it'd be just a minute. The light had already gone out in the house of the Lord. And I wonder how many churches opened their doors today. They assembled, but they had no glory upon them. How many preachers preached without God's presence? How many pulpits who are doing things so contrary to God's Word... How many pulpits are being filled with people that aren't even biblically qualified to be in them? I'm afraid in so many instances, the glory of the Lord has already departed. Ichabod's there. And they are only operating in the power of their flesh and the power of their theology. They're running their plan and their program and there's no power of God on it. Eventually, like I said, the world will overrun that program. God has caused there to be a pause right now. Probably in order that we might get our eyes on Him. In the military, I remember when there would be some sort of an aircraft accident that was severe enough, they would have a pause day. Thankfully, I'm forgetting all the terms. And it would just be to refocus on safety or whatever the issue was. And right now we're seeing a pause. And I believe God's wanting us to refocus our attention. To get our eyes off of the program and off of the plan. But listen, it took Israel some 40 years until the ark was returned back where it belonged. Did you hear what I said? 40 years. 40 years of dead church. 40 years that the ark was supposed to be behind the veil. Forty years when the the tabernacle was not functioning the way God had said it needed to be operated. 
I wonder how long it took until they finally missed the ark. I have a theory. It's probably around 20 years, according to a passage where it says it was in Kerjath-Jerim for 20 years, and then they began to seek the Lord. I'll have to study that more, but I just throw that out there. Don't quote me on that. But 40 years. We need to get zeroed in on God and make absolutely sure that the main thing is still the main thing. I want to tell you tonight, we don't need a new plan. We don't need a new program. We don't need a new Bible version. We don't need to change our music. We don't need to change our standards. We don't need to say this book is outdated. We don't need to say that, well, that was for that culture then and for this culture today. We need to change all these things. But what we need to do is we need to stand in the way, see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. Well, that's not the message tonight. Go to Habakkuk. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm still struggling on what to preach. This may or may not be the message God has for us tonight. I may have just gave you the message you needed. But bear with me here in Habakkuk, please. I'm going to give you a little bit of background here because leading up to one of the important verses here tonight, it's one of the most abused verses in the Bible. We don't have to read these, but you can just make a mental note here that in chapter 1, in verses 2 through 4, Habakkuk is letting God know Judah has a problem. He talks about some of the, the ills that are going on, the, the violence, the, the strife, the contention, how there's no judgment going forth. The wicked are surrounding the righteous. Wrong judgments proceed there is a problem in Judah. In verses 5 through 11, God answers by letting Habakkuk know that God is going to judge Judah by the Babylonians. The day is coming that the Chaldeans will come in and they will take them captive. Then in verses 12 through 17, that closes out chapter 1, Habakkuk essentially says to God, and, and this is just my words here, but your solution is worse than the problem, God. There's a problem in Judah that needs to be fixed, but look, your, your solution is you're going to let the Babylonians come in here and take us captive, and that sounds a whole lot worse to me. I mean, if you look at there at the end of, of chapter 17, shall they, or verse 17, shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? Look, you're bringing in a nation here that's worse than we are. They're going to overtake us. Now let's read chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Habakkuk here, having asked several questions in verses 12 through 17, he says this, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, I wanted to give you a summary of chapter 1 going into chapter 2 here, because as I stated, 
verse 2 is probably one of the most abused verses today in the modern prosperity movement that we hear from a lot of the TV personalities in America today. And can I just come down here and talk with you? I don't have any notes anyway from this point. And so here's Habakkuk, and he, he writes this verse here, he, he, or he asks God these questions. God gives him this answer to write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth. And what people are saying today with this verse is, if, if you get a vision from God, you write the thing down and it's going to come to pass. Is there something on your heart? Is there something that you want to have faith about? You write that thing down and God's going to make it come to pass for you. You just write the vision down. You just write it down. Make it plain. And then you run towards it. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of problems with that kind of thinking. Number one, God doesn't owe us a thing. Number two, it may not be the will of God and you're just going to have to learn to deal with that. Don't believe me. Ask David who said, Lord, I'd love to build you a temple. And God said, no, it's not for you to do. But Solomon, your son's going to build it. It was in David's heart. And he could have wrote it upon the table all he wanted and he could have made it plain and he could have said, uh, this is what I'm believing God to do and God's going to end up doing it. But the fact of the matter is, it wasn't in God's plan for David to build the temple. So we're just going to have to learn to deal with disappointment in life. (laughs) Amen. I'm falling back on my upbringing here. Thanks, Dad. I love uh, the saying that we now use in our home that my dad said repeatedly, you will get over it or die mad one. Thanks, Pops. I guess I'll learn to get over it. So I just wanted to give you the background to say this. This verse is not saying name it and claim it. Although that's what a lot of people today are making it saying. I'm not even going to name names because you might be tuned into their podcast or have their books. But do some searching. You'll find a lot of people preach this way out of whack. So I just want to get that out of the way. The Lord answered me and said, now what's interesting there at the end of verse 1 He asks these questions to God, and then he feels like he's going to be reproved for it. Did you catch that? I'm going to to wait. I'm going to stand upon my watch. I'm going to wait and see what he's going to say unto me. (laughs) What I shall answer when I am reproved. I just want to tell you, you you don't have to be worried when you go to God in prayer. Amen. I don't find God here reproving Habakkuk in the sense that we think of the word. But verse 2, and the Lord, there are some principles here nonetheless, even though it's taught kind of wacky sometimes. I think there's some principles we can draw from tonight that I just want to share with you. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. So God here is about to give him an answer to his prayer. He's going to give him a vision. He's going to tell him to write it down, make it plain, so that somebody can read it. And really, the, the sense of this phrase is, is in those days, they did not have mass texting abilities, right? They couldn't send emails. They, they didn't even have this. That's right. I mean, they had scrolls that were at the synagogues. So you didn't even have these things. And so what they would do is they'd have to send somebody out to spread the word. And the idea here is here, you make it plain enough that somebody can run with this message and just distribute it so that everybody understands it and we can get the word out. And by the way, if you're a preacher of the word of God, you need to put it at the bottom level as much as you possibly can. Make it plain. And so make it plain so that he that runneth or he that readeth can run with it. And so in verse uh, three, though, this is where I kind of want to get to. For the vision 
is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now I'm going to deviate from the uh, interpretation, give you some application if that's okay. And I'm going to try not to contradict myself off of what I just said the current teachers do, because I'm going to qualify it by saying this, it must be of the Lord in order for it to come to pass. Now, I, I laid out a vision for the church in the beginning of the year. I've done that every year since I've been pastor. Give you a vision for the year. Give you an idea of what I think God wants to do that year through us, for us. And this year, believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Well, there's less people here tonight than there was when we first started pitching the idea. Where's the goodness of the Lord? And it's, it's real easy to start going down that road in our minds. Where are you at, Lord? And, and again, I've had those conversations. And the vision is yet for an appointed time. And I just want to encourage us tonight by saying this. This vision that God is about to give Habakkuk, he says it's for an appointed time. In other words, it's not going to happen yet. It's for later. And sometimes that's how God works. I began to bug this man about what I thought God's will was in my life 13 years before I ever got here. 13 years. It's for an appointed time. God may lay that on your heart years in advance before God ever brings it to pass. God may go up to David through the prophet Samuel, anoint him and say, you're the king. But yet it's going to be another however many years it was until he actually reigned. And then it's going to be another seven until you reign over the whole kingdom. So it's for an appointed time. It's it's something that is yet to happen, but it says at the end it shall speak. It shall not lie. In other words, the vision, Habakkuk, that I'm about to give you, it's not going to come to pass yet, but you can mark it down. It's going to come to pass. God's Word will always come to pass. You say, well, are you 100% sure that this is God's will for this church? I've told you before, I struggle with that an awful lot. All I can tell you is I'm just walking forward in faith just as much as you are, believing to see what God has for us. So I know this, if it's of the Lord, church, it's going to come to pass. It's not going to lie. Though it tarry, and boy, is it tarrying. But again, I just want to piggyback on last week and say this. Notice what it says next. Though it tarry, wait for it. <laughs> I'm really getting stuck on this wait thing. Not W-E-I-G-H-T. I'm losing plenty in 2020 starting tomorrow. It's Memorial Day. It always works better if you start on a Monday of a holiday. Wait for it. But I don't want to wait. I don't know why God makes us wait, but it, well, I do, but there's a lot of reasons why. Sometimes I don't really understand why He's doing it at first. So why is God making us wait? I guess just to let us know, look, this isn't about you. This is all about me. This is all about God. It's all about Him. It's not about our our plan, our vision, our program. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. 
it will not tarry. You say, what Bible verse do you have to support that this is going to happen? Well, I tend to lean on the one where Jesus said this, upon this rock, I will build my church. So what about all those other churches that are shutting their doors? I can't speak for them. Maybe the ark's gone. Maybe the light's gone out. Maybe Ichabod's been written upon. I don't know. But I know for this body of believers, we have tried our best to stay the course that this man put in place 40 years ago. Amen. And I have made it a point to tell you, to tell men in our deacons, me behind closed doors as well, there is nothing that I ever see that we need to change in the sense of we need to tweak this program and we need to do this differently and we need to bring this in and we need to do that. I believe we just need to stick with the stuff that's been put in place all the way back there in 1979. And I believe that if we do that, when Jesus says, I will build my church, He will build this church. He'll do that in our hearts. And I believe once He builds our heart, it's going to require us, this is what I was saying earlier, it will eventually require you to serve as we get our eyes on Him. And we will eventually share our faith more that I think we're not doing in the way that we should do. It will require us to be more bold about our faith. When's the last time you witnessed to somebody at work? Come on, church. When's the last time you pulled somebody aside and say, look, I just wanted to let you know I'm concerned about you. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Did you know He came and He died and He bled for you so that you could be saved? When's the last time you've done that? You see, God is putting us in a pause because He's trying to get us to see you've got to get back to the root thing. It's not about how many we can get in. It's not about how many we can get in this service and that service. It's not about how we can do this better and this more slick and we can come up with a more crisp presentation and we can start doing these fancy camera things and all the rest. It's not about all that. But what it all comes down to is this. Are you glorifying God with your life and are you reaching people for Christ? You see, the vision is based upon the fact that we need to be busy about God's work. We've got to testify. We've got to witness. We've got to shine our light. The beginning of verse 4 there, it's, it's, speaking of, it's beginning to speak about Babylon. But look at the end of verse 4. But the just shall live by his faith. <laughs> I love that verse. Here's why I love it. Because so many people get hung up with this idea that the Old Testament has no place for us today. The New Testament says that we walk by faith. Guess where they got that from? (laughs) The just shall live by his faith. You see, even the law then led to Christ. It led to faith. And what we need to do is, and and again, I know I'm kind of repeating last week, and I apologize for that, but that's what's on my heart. We need to wait. While we're waiting, we need to live by faith. Because the the great problem is when we have to wait, we start to lose our faith. Because we start thinking this is never going to happen. At least that's how I am. I don't know how you are. I'm a a pretty emotional guy, okay? I'm I'm really up, and that's great. But if you don't know much about emotional guys, when they get really up, they can get really down. (laughs) And I can go from... In one play. Remember that game, brother? But here's the thing. When we have to wait, we've got to be careful because 
we'll find ourselves beginning to doubt what God laid on our heart then. And so let me pull a phrase that I've, I've said before in relation to other things. Never doubt in the night what God revealed in the light. Amen. Amen. I believe God revealed to us some things back there in December and January that it may not be as bright now. There may be some darkness. There may be some night. There may be some COVID-19. But don't doubt what God had said He's going to do back then. I believe He'll still do it. I really do. I'm not just saying that. And listen, you can ask my family. I'm not a naturally optimistic guy. I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic. Except for that cat. Where's your faith tonight? Church, do you still believe to see? Amen. Do you believe it? God's still good. Amen. We don't have to figure anything out. We don't have to take a step back and start re-examining what we're doing. We just need to believe to see. Just need to wait. Walk by faith and wait. Let's keep doing exactly what we're doing. Amen. We've done the best we can to keep the doors of this church open. By the grace of God, we've been able to do that. I believe we're honoring God through that. I believe He's going to bless that. Amen. Let's just stay with it. The vision's for an appointed time. God may look down and say, look, I, I'm with you. It's of me, but it's not time yet. Wait for it. Live by faith. Let's pray.